What's the worst day you ever had in your business? I can name a few. I was a five-time award-winning entrepreneur who burned out because I couldn't give up control of anything in my business, whether it was because I thought I could do it faster or because I thought I couldn't afford it. I just refused to let anybody else in. Consequently, the business turned from a dream goal into a job I hated and I didn't know what to do anymore. In 2015, I closed my business, walked away, and started a whole new life. But I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up after that. And I realized that what I really love to do is marketing. I love to talk about marketing and create marketing and teach other people how to create value-based marketing initiatives that talk to their customers. I've done it for corporations, for entrepreneurs like you, bloggers, and everybody in between. I'm here to help you create your dream empire that gives you the freedom to create your life the way you want to do it. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking Your Business. Let's go. Hey guys, Megan here. Welcome to Stop Sucking Your Business. I am so glad you're here. I am so thankful every time we get to talk. So thank you for being here. Today, I want to introduce you to someone whom I had a really good talk with. Like I originally went on his podcast to talk about marketing and we just clicked and I loved just his energy. He's so fascinating and brilliant and such a good talker. Like he, he's just amazing. His name is Patrick Bentley. And he runs a site called launchtrail.tech, which helps entrepreneurs create MVPs of apps. Now, if you've ever thought about creating an app, then you know how difficult it can be to just think of all of the ins and outs and you want it to be perfect and you want it to be amazing. And it just like it balloons out of cost and it scope creep, all of those things. It just goes crazy. So I wanted to bring him on to talk about the process of that goes into creating an app, but more importantly, the process that goes into creating an MVP. So even if you've never thought about an app, you never even dreamed your business would need one. I think this is a really good episode to take in solely because it helps. It helped me. Absolutely. But I hopefully it'll help you also figure out the ways that you can get comfortable with creating MVPs. And just, he's so smart. So please listen to the whole thing. And he's running a webinar about this, this month. So we'll link it in the show notes, but please check out Patrick Bentley. He is so cool. He's so awesome. And I think you're going to love him. So here is my interview with Patrick Bentley of launchtrail.tech. Well, Patrick, I'm so glad you're here that you and I have had enough I mean, we haven't had enough conversations, but we've had enough of a conversation that I think I really like you and I really like your personality. I like you too. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I think we I think we gel really well. So I'm excited about it. I'm already comfortable. Fantastic. So let's start at the beginning because it's a very good place to start, right? So yeah. let's get into your history of how you got into entrepreneurship, how Launch Trail happened where you see it going. That's such a long story, man. I'll try to, I'll try to keep it uh, interesting, but also not too, uh, not, not too long. So uh, I've always, as long as I can remember, 
wanted to run a business and, and, and I've always been in business in some way, shape or form. So uh, my mom ran a tax business out of her house. You know, she uh, went to school for accounting, but, you know, she never finished school because she started having kids. And so, uh, you know, we she was always doing tax businesses and stuff like that and doing people's taxes during tax time. And uh, she was also a notary public. And so, uh, you know, and very funny, like uh, my granddad was actually a club owner. Um, So I'm originally from Savannah, Georgia. Uh, My granddad was a bootlegger, you know, but he was also, he also ran a, a, a nightclub in Savannah. And so, you know, my granddad, was always around. So I always just, you know, entrepreneurship and, and business was always just kind of a part of my family. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, for me, uh, I think, so I, I ended up graduating from school in 2008, right? Um, I had my son and 2008 was just a really, really frankly shitty time to come out of school uh, and, you know, I had a psychology degree, you know, my, my original plan was to, to go and, uh, you know, get my PhD in psychology and be a professor and do research and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I'd been an author, you know, so I got a, I was published as an author in, in college. And so, um, that was sort of my plan, you know, and, and then that didn't happen. And, uh, so, I mean, I, I've, I had a tutoring business, you know, on the side and, um, uh, I uh I used to actually have a moving company at one time, interestingly really? enough, man. Yeah, so uh so a lot of people don't know, but uh these are like public storage places. Uh mm-hmm. so you know, uh they have like this uh marketplace, you know. So oftentimes there are people who are, you know, moving uh moving things, you know, moving into a new home or you know, whatever. And um, so they have this marketplace and essentially you can uh you know, bid on moving jobs, you know, you can put your hourly rate up there. And so what I did is, you know, I found, it's so funny, this is going to sound so crazy, but I I just found these like two dudes who were like, you know, just sitting around in my neighborhood, you know, and I was like, Hey, you want, you want a job, you know? And I, and so I literally went and got them and, you know, uh, started, started a moving company, man. And it did pretty well, you know? And so I've, I've always kind of been, uh, entrepreneurial my thoughts have always been around like okay like how can i take this thing that i do and commoditize it mm-hmm. um so along that path uh i had some friends of mine who they started a uh, crowdfunding platform and one one day you know they had a blog and and one day there i was on the blog and they had this article about you know eight reasons why your kid needs to learn how to code and um so I looked at the article and I was like, man, this is a really great idea. You know, I'm in Savannah. I'm living at my mom's house, you know, trying to just figure figure my way out. And uh, I was like, man, this is a really great idea. There's no place in Savannah where a kid can go and learn how to code. Not, like, not that I know of, you know. And so uh, I started a nonprofit called Urban STEM Academy. And um, so I had to learn how to code and I started learning how to code to teach you know, and to just teach other kids how to do it. And, 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 um, so that a lot of people don't think about nonprofit as being a business, but it is a business, man. Like, so I learned a lot about, uh, building strategic partnerships and, uh, doing accounting, uh, work and, uh, you know, creating curriculums and marketing material 
and all that. And so I grew I grew that from an idea to a 501c3 organization. And, you know, we ended up uh, partnering with the city and, you know, uh, partnering with Gulfstream and AT&T and, you know, all these different companies. And so uh, I did all that like from scratch, you know, and so uh, I had a you know, I just had a, a knack at. I think that I've always had a knack at convincing people that I know what I'm talking about, even if I don't. Right. Like I I, know I, will, I can always I don't know. I just people just really I have a way of making people believe in me. Um, and so I sort of recognize that gift. And uh, so that was really my first stint into, uh, I guess, proper entrepreneurship. Right. Like that was paying my bills. And, um, you know, I grew it and and uh, got some notoriety in my city from it. But but as I was doing that, you know, I was also getting better at coding um, and. So eventually, you know, as I'm, you know, campaigning for Urban STEM Academy, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, there's this guy always talking about tech and talking about coding, you know, hey, hey, can you do a website for me? And so um, I the first website that I ever did, I did for a friend of mine. She had a party planning company. And um, so she reached out to me and was like, hey, can you do a website for me? And I was like, yeah, sure I can. Right. Like, I've, uh, you know. So that's kind of one of the things that I've always been good at as well, I think, is that uh, I always say yes to the opportunity. Right. And then I just figure out I'll learn how to do it later. Um, and so uh, I did a website for her and, uh, you know, it was cool. I struggled my way through it. You know, it was my first actual website, struggled through it, but did it delivered the product, you know, and she was happy for it. Four hundred bucks, you know. And so at mm -hmm. that point, I was like, OK, well. You know, if I can do a couple of these a month, you know, then, you know, I can I can make some good money. And obviously my idea of good money was different back in the day. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so I was like, man, I just made 400 bucks, you know, but at the time, <laughs> I was like, man, this is I'm, I'm if I can just do this a couple more times, man, I'll be rich, you know. And so. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, I, I started uh, doing more people's websites. And uh, so the thing, the thing about tech is that, you know, so of course we know that there, there are not a lot of, there's not a lot of diversity in tech. Right. So, so, right. It's, you know, most, mostly white males who are doing tech. And so because of that, they're also marketing to people that are like them, you know? And so um, I realized that there was a need in my community for uh, particularly for minority owned businesses, uh, to have quality web design work to be done for them, you know? And so um, I uh, started building websites and targeting black owned businesses and minority owned businesses, you know? So I went and went to my city's website and, you know, we've got like a minority business program, you know, for contracts and stuff like that. And so I found the list of those people and I just started calling them up like, Hey, I do websites, you know, and, and that's how I started with tech stuff. So, um, over time, you know, it, I, I learned more about web design and then I started building actual web applications with Ruby on Rails and, you know, started to learn more uh, just about technology. And eventually, you know, I, I could I was a self-taught developer, you know, and so I could I could build full, you know, web apps for people. And then um, eventually I went to a, a six month course at Georgia Tech and um you know, I became a full stack certified MERN developer. And so at that point, you know, I was armed with all the stuff that I needed to, you know, really start building things and, you know, doing them for people. And 
start building apps for myself as well. And so that led to me then bumping into a guy. And this is really, I guess, the origin story of Launch Trail, right? And I'll kind of, I hope I'm not talking too much. Or no, this is fascinating. This is yeah, awesome. So, so this is sort of the origin story for a Launch Trail is that, uh, so um, I met a guy, you know, so I, at this point, you know, things had been really successful with Urban STEM Academy. You know, I'd been going to pitch competitions and doing all this stuff. And uh, I got recruited by the Economic Development Authority to come and be a, a program manager at the Economic Development Authority. So they were looking, wow. you know, they were looking for uh, someone to manage how they were attracting uh, knowledge based companies and tech companies to the area. Right. So we're, mm -hmm. a, you know, ports and manufacturing city historically, but obviously, you know, those jobs are, you know, it takes a lot less people to manufacture the same thing or to move the same thing, right? Like as mm -hmm. technology advances. And so, you know, just like most cities and uh, across the nation, they were looking for innovative ways to start building an ecosystem, uh, a tech ecosystem, and then uh, start, uh, you know, attracting companies to the area. So, um, you know, so they hired me because, you know, I could work a room, but I also could talk tech, you know? And so, um, you know, and they knew that I, you know, was, I, you know, I, I knew enough about things that I could like, you know, create a marketing strategy and I could, you know, and so I had all those kind of raw materials and they figured they could teach me the rest. And so, um, so yeah, so I'm working for the economic development authority at the time and we're at some, some meeting related to the logistics industry and I bump into this guy, you know, and, and we're chatting, you know, just doing the small talk thing that you do before or after, you know, the chicken, the rubber chicken dinner, you know, thing. So, <laughs> Um, <laughs> and so we're, we're, we're sitting there and we're talking and he's telling, you know, and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm a software developer. That's what I do on the side. He's like, man, I've got this really great idea. You know, like, uh, you know, I, I've got, I own a trucking company. We've got 75 trucks, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, man, this is awesome. So I reach out to a friend of mine named Randall. Um, and so Randall, was a more senior developer than I was, but we were good friends, you know? And so both of us were technical and uh, I liked this idea. So, so the idea was, I mean, there was a lot more to it, but the basics of the idea was that uh, he was going in, you know, his trucks, they were pulling containers off the Georgia ports and they didn't have any way to check the status of those containers or whether they were ready for pickup, except to go through the web interface that the Georgia ports had, you know? And then after they did that, they would have to pick up the phone and text their drivers. And then, you know, while they're doing that, that they're sounds also, like a wire. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, you know, so the logistics industry, you know, just as a side note is full of opportunities, right? Because they're, they're not necessarily first adopters. They're not necessarily people who are using tech all the time, but they're, but they have a lot of data and they, there, there's a lot of moving parts. So it's, it's a really great industry uh, to get into with tech. I actually plan to try again, you know, because I, I think I'm much more equipped to do that in a in a smart way and be more yeah. successful at it. But um, so anyway, they're they were doing all this stuff manually, right? Like sending emails to their people. So we so we basically created an application that would interface with the Georgia Ports software system and then get them updates periodically. And then we used the Twilio API to uh, send off text messages to their drivers to let them know, you know, all right, well, this thing's ready. Here's everything you need to go pick it up, you know, and then it would also send automatic emails to the clients and let them know like, hey, the status of your your box changed. Right. So so now everybody's 
you know, all this stuff is automated. It was a brilliant idea. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. We did it. We built it in three months. And I was so pleased with myself. Right. Like I was like, man, I am killing it. Just kicking ass out here. Right. So. Right. So um, we do it. They start testing it. And then we start trying to find other customers to use it. And then we realized that uh, we probably approached this wrong because what we found out is that uh, there were like 20 different ways that that different trucking companies were solving this problem. Um, And uh, not only that, but it wasn't a big enough problem or the or the, the the companies didn't view it as being a big enough problem for them to number one want to test out an app that still needed to be tested out and still you know had some bugs in it it wasn't perfect uh so they, they weren't motivated to really test it out and then some people were just like i don't you know we already have it fixed you know it ain't broke you know we're still making money so why why do i need to pay to get this fixed. And so, um, you know, after a couple of months of trying, we, we shut it down, you know, and it was a, it became a really great portfolio project. And, you know, uh, of course made me a better, better developer, but in terms of a business, it was really, you know, it was a flop, you know? And so, um, I learned a lot from that experience, but it then got to thinking, right? Like, so we were, me and Randall were the perfect team, Right. Like we, you know, we were two technical people, you know, I knew how to go in and do requirements. You know, it's like we kind of hit all the the points that I thought that we needed to hit. Mm -hmm. Why wasn't this thing successful? You know, and and so it it got me to thinking, you know, Um, and then over time, you know, I started developing other people's projects. And then I realized, like, you know what, I'm, I'm noticing that there's a pattern of people who are, can be successful bringing a thing to market and then people who just build a thing and then it never really gets any traction. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, what I found out is that, you know, some people were really good at doing customer discovery and doing some things before they built to app and, or, and then um, were collecting data from their clients and then shaping the way that they built the application from the data that they were receiving were receiving from the clients. And then there were other people who were just guessing, you know, they, they were just taking what they thought was a good idea and getting it built. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so then I started to come into contact with the, the lean startup principle and, you know, the idea of building a minimum viable product, you know, and so launch trail then became a system, right? Like, so I, I was like, you know what, instead of me just building applications for people, um, you know, why don't I build out a system that will increase the likelihood of them, number one, getting to market and actually getting some revenue from the apps that they're building, but also something that would, how do I explain this? It's just something that would help you build the right app, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that, uh, you know, what we say to our clients is that, you know, so building an application is one thing. And this is the mistake that we made, me and Randall, is that we were able to build the application, but we didn't build the right application, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a way for you, there's a method that you can use that really has nothing to do with technology to find out what's the right app to build, right? And the right app to build is the one that your customers want and solves their problem, right? And then um, from, from the business perspective, the right app to build is whatever takes the least amount of money to start getting money from your clients. Right. And so we created a system that 
allows for people for to come to us with an idea. And then we help them figure out, okay, well, this is the problem that you're solving. Here's the demographic that you're doing it for, because that's going to, that's going to uh, d- determine how you speak to them. Right. Like, so the way that you sell a car to a 21 year old is not the way that you sell a car to a 40 year old. Right. Like you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you know, talk about your features a little differently. And so we help them figure that out. You know, we help them figure out how to start collecting data from their users about the problem that they're solving and about their proposed solution. And then we use all of that to then build a prototype for them. Right. And so it's kind of like the measure twice cut once uh, methodology, right? It's like, you know, we're spending a little bit more time on the front end, but to be honest, those are the things that matter, right? Like I think um, the mistake that I made and the mistake that I see people make all the time is that, they're thinking about this application like a software developer instead of thinking about it like a business owner. Right. And so, um, you know, instead of defining success as, all right, I'm getting this thing built in this amount of time for this amount of money, the way that you should be defining success is more about like, okay, am I solving the problem for my customer? Uh, Am I generating revenue for it? You know, and and defining your milestones along more business foundations or or business concepts, then you are just like, are you building it within budget? You know, and so that's uh, that's kind of the the origin story. Right. Like I've always been in business, but doing it as an amateur, you know, and um, and then, you know, after I actually gained the skills to build an application, I realized that it wasn't the technical skills that I was missing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and this is something that I talk about often too, is that, so when people come to me and they're looking to get an app built, um, so what they're, what they think they're saying is I am not a technical person. I don't know how to code. Right. But really the skill set that they're missing is that they don't know how to number one, position a technical product in the market. They don't know how to refine it. They don't know how to actually uh, define success around it. And they don't know how to build a business around a technical product. Right. And so mm-hmm. once I figured that out, then I figured out that, OK, well, there aren't really many software development firms that are actually addressing the true need of their customer. And so in lean startup fashion, I just started to position myself more towards what I saw as being the need in the market versus just saying, hey, I can build an app for you. That's brilliant. And I definitely I want to get into um, MVP way more, especially with apps, because I think that. And you can speak to this better than I can, but what I assume is that. Scope creep is incredibly easy (laughs) to happen on something like this and for people that don't know scope creep is just basically like here's the project and then as the project's going along like oh wouldn't it be great if it had this and this and then all (laughs) of a sudden it's just this bloated monstrosity but it it happens in everything oh it happens so much man um i think this was sort of a this was sort of a way to get rid of that too right so so um so to talk a little bit more about the minimum viable product and then our product. So so the minimum viable product is basically what is the least amount of uh, effort that I have to put into this product in order to prove that it is viable, 
right? Mm-hmm. To prove that it's valuable. Um, so I often give the the uh, metaphor of cooking in your own kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. So, and what and what that basically means is that so if your dream is to open up a bakery one day, right? Like the 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 first logical step wouldn't be going out and signing a five year lease and getting a brick and mortar. You know, it wouldn't mean going out and buying commercial equipment, you know, or or anything like that, getting a staff, paying salaries. You know, your first step is to actually just start in your oven, pull out your recipes and then start selling pies or cakes or whatever you're going to sell right out of your own home. Right. Because what you need to do is you need to prove that your recipe is good enough that people will pay you for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is the. That is the most important question of any business, right? And it's when you know you have a business, when your service or when your product actually makes someone take money out of their wallet or give you their credit card number and give it to them, then you now have the beginnings of a business, right? And so um, the minimum viable product is something that allows you to do that very quickly, right? And so um, what, what I've... What I tend to see when people come to me with an app idea is that they want me to build them Facebook, right? <laughs> or they want me to build them Twitter. And that's a problem for a couple of reasons, right? So so number one is that Facebook version one did not look like what it looks like today, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, you can do a you can do a quick Google search of examples of MVPs, right? So for instance, Airbnb was literally just the website and they were actually matching people up, you know, uh, actually, so I actually think the first Airbnb property was just an air mattress and an extra room that they had, right? And And then they just made a quick landing page to start getting people to, to reserve the room. And then, so they proved it and it was ugly, but it worked. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so it doesn't, the idea doesn't really need to be, um, too elaborate to prove your idea. Right. Because what I, what I would tell people is that, uh, the application is just a method of delivering the service. It's not your business. Mm -hmm. The thing that you're providing to your client, right? Like an Airbnb's case, they're providing rooms or apartments for rent on a short-term basis, right? And so mm-hmm. um, if that's what, the, and they're using the application to do that, but they're, th- that's their business, right? And, and Facebook is selling, well, well, Facebook is a different story because they're really at this point an, ad, an advertising company, right? And not really a social right. media platform, but Um, so yeah, so I, I mean, I get people that come to me all the time with these really elaborate ideas. And, um, so that's one problem is that it's going to cost you a lot of money to build that. And number two, most people don't know how they're going to make money off of it. Right. So I can't tell you how many times people come to me with an idea. And the first question that I say is, okay, well, how are you going to make money? Right. Right? And then they're like, uh, ad revenue. Right. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, that's a viable option. Maybe if you've got, you know, a hundred thousand people, you, you know, like that's, that's a, you know, that's one of those, um, it's only good if it's scaled up kind of ideas, right? Like it's, it's like a telephone, right? Like if there are only, if you're the only guy that has a telephone, then it's really not cool to have one. Right. But if, 
But if a, a hundred thousand people have a telephone then that telephone becomes really useful. Right. And so, um, so yeah, uh, the, the scope creep thing, we tend to address that by, so the question that I always ask my client and what I always remind them of is, well, what data do you have to prove that your customers need that thing? Right. That's what I always ask them. Right. Like, and if you don't have any data, um, to prove that your customers are going to like that thing or that they need it, then I would hold off on it. Right. Like don't. So the, the typical way that you approach new features should be, you should only add a new feature when the, when your existing users are requesting it enough. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, cause that's when they need it. Right. But, but let the market tell you what they, what they want. Right. So instead of assuming what they want, you know, just give them a bare minimum product and then say, uh, you know, and then have a way for them to uh, give you feedback on it. Right. And then if if you're if you're if your app is good and it's kind of solving the problem that they want, then they'll love giving you feedback. And what you'll find out is that, uh, you know, they'll come to you and say, man, it would be really nice if this thing did this. Right. Mm-hmm. And man, I just I, you know, this is really perfect. I just wish that I could integrate it with this tool, or I wish that I could do this. And that's how you sort of build up your features list. And so um, we just try to deal with scope creep. Well, number one, we define our services very, very well so that they know what they're getting. And uh, we're reminding them along the way, like, hey, we are building a minimum viable product. But then with scope creep, we we just challenge them, right? Which, is, which can be difficult. But I think um, because we're positioning ourselves more as a consultant, and more as an expert versus like, you know, we're just here to build what you tell us to build. Hired labor, yeah. Yeah, then we're able to have tougher conversations with our client and we're able we're able to sort of uh, disagree with them and then commit to our disagreement. And I mean, I literally, I've, I, have, I have two or three clients right now who are coming back to me after working with me uh, in December or January and I, and I gave them the prototype and they were like, no, 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 I needed to be bigger. I needed to be this. I needed to be that. And I was like, you know what? Okay, I'll tell you what. Just just go out, get some feedback. Tell me how you feel in two or three months, right? And then they all come back and they're like, you were right. I didn't need that big thing. I'm glad you didn't take the six, the $60,000 that I, <laughs> that you quoted <laughs> me, you know? And so, um, so yeah. You're uh, like, yeah, yeah, me too. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, we we definitely deal with the scope creep. Uh we just you just have to draw a hard line, you know, um and just remind them that we're 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 there to uh at the end of the day, we're there to save them money, right? Mm-hmm. We're there to help them with their business because that's what most of these software development firms do, right? Like they they give you a quote and you know, they know, right? Like we're, we're building things for people all the time, right? So we know when it's a good, when it's a good idea, we know when the client, we can tell when the client has done his research, when he's done his due diligence, you know, like we know, right? And um, most software development firms will never say to you, oh, I don't think that's a good idea for your business, right? Mm. They're just going to take your money, you know? And um so I just try to remind them like, hey, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, I can do what you want me to do, but then I'm going to charge you for it and you're not going to be happy with the price that I quote you. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that I, I want to talk to you more about MVP, but just when you were saying that, what I was thinking of is 
clearly you have integrity when you're running your business. And, you know, I think that some people can really not see it as a fault, but I think that some people have trouble saying no to the money. So Uh, how do you, how do you recommend people navigate that? Like how do, how do you build integrity? So I, I, man, uh, I think look at it from a self perspective, right? So, so how I view it is like, I can take their money now. Right. But in the long run, they're not going to be happy with what I gave them because what I gave them isn't going to provide them value to their business. Right. And if I know that it's really not so much about integrity, it's about common sense. Right. So if you're in business, you've got to be in business for the long haul. Um, and no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're selling at the end of the day, we're all in the, we're all in the relationship business, right? Mm -hmm. I have a service business, right? And so, uh, it's, it's, it's about the quality of the thing that I'm providing, but it's also about whether people like me and whether people trust me, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, uh, I think if you're having problem, having integrity, just think about it selfishly, right? Like, you know, because what you want is you want repeat customers. You want people who are going to be happy with your thing and then they're going to recommend other people. And then when the new idea comes along, they're going to come back to you because they know that they can trust you with the idea. They know that you're not going to rob them. Right. And they and they know that you've got their best interest at heart, you know. And so I I feel like it's it's I mean, I guess it's integrity, but it's just more so good business sense. Right. right. Like, you know. It's either it's either get all the money now or or, you know, create long term clients. And I'm I'm in it for the long the long haul. The um, fast nickel versus slow dime. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know, especially in these times. Right. Like, I mean, business is not doing well for a lot of people. You know what I mean? And and uh, when they're looking at their budget, they're going to cut the thing. They're going to cut the like, you know, if, if it's me and some other guy and they like me more or trust me more than that other guy, like that other guy is going to get cut first. Right. Right. Because, because we've built a relationship or at least, you know, it'll be a easier letdown. And so, you know, it's, it's man, I mean, business is all relationships. So it's just don't cheat your people, man. You know, don't rob them. (laughs) Well, going back to MVP. So what I think, and it's funny because I graduated in 2007 with a psychology degree. Nice. So, <laughs> my yeah. people. Useless degrees unite. You know? right. <laughs> mine was even more, mine was social sciences and it was psychology, sociology, and history. So I had no chance of doing anything. Well, well, you know, I think it actually, I use my degree, right? In some way. And I'm sure you do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, we're not we're not big earners in the list of three. <laughs> that definitely didn't equate to you know <laughs> six figures right out of college. That's yeah, sure. yeah, for sure. But so when I think of MVP, I think of, or I should say, when I think of a resistance to MVPs, I think of insecurity and fear of not being able to deliver. Do you know what I mean? Mm, what do you mean? Go ahead and go into that a little bit. So back when I was running a soap company, I had 17 cents of soap and I had 10 body scrubs and I had blah, blah, blah. And it was all me making them. And right. it wasn't because 
my customers demanded that it was because I was afraid that I was missing opportunities by oh, not yeah. having a yeah. citrus scent or a, you know, and so I burned out. I mean, you know, like I burned out from that business, but yeah. more importantly, I spent a ton of money Absolutely. that I didn't have to. Yeah. And I know for me that that was just insecurity of yeah. missing a potential yeah. sale. Yeah, so yeah. How do you coach people through that? How do you coach Man, people to have so, discipline of MVPs? So it's it's not really discipline. I think when you break it down, it's really common sense, right? Like mm-hmm. so, so you have to approach it scientifically, right? Like that's what this is all about, right? Like we were just talking about that before we actually, you know, got into the interview about you know, funnels and and like tweaking things to to find out if they work, right? So mm-hmm. What I tell people, and it's one of the first things that I tell them is that your business is a hypothesis, right? Yeah. Like you, yeah. it's just a guess that people are going, you know, whether it's a new product, right? So, so let's use your example. It's a new soap, right? So you've got this hypothesis in your mind that if I make this new lemon jasmine flavor or scent that people are going to buy it and they're going to love it, right? So when you think about it, it's like, okay, I could either sink $100 into that and prove or not prove that idea, or I can sink $10 into it and prove or not prove that idea, right? Which is which makes more sense for your business, right? Because at the end of the day, do you want to fail? Sl- like, So if the idea is a bad idea, you're going to fail regardless, right? So do you want to fail expensively or do you want to fail cheaply? Do you want to fail slow or do you want to fail fast? Right. Like that, that's all it really boils down to is, is it's really, you know, and when you put it in those terms, then people sort of understand what you're saying. Right. It's because truly whoever fails faster gets to success quicker. Right. Mm-hmm. Whoever whoever can burn through those ideas, you know, like, you know, 80 percent of any business idea is wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it's wrong. You know, but, that, but that, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the Pareto principle. Right. So so 80. What is it? 80 percent of the yield that you get will come from 20 percent of your efforts or something like that. Right. And so uh, based off of that principle. Right. You need to find that 20 percent. Right. And you want to do that quickly as quickly as possible. And you want to do it as cheaply as possible. Right. Like that's business. We've got, you know, so uh, with the whole measure twice cut once principle, right? Like if, mm-hmm. if I need to build a house and I've only got a certain amount of wood, right? It would, it would behoove me to do that as, as quickly, but as precisely as I possibly can, right? Instead of just taking wood and then chopping it wherever, cause that's kind of what you're doing when you're, when you're building a new product without any data from anywhere, right? Is you're just taking a piece of wood and you're just guessing, right? Mm-hmm. And then if it doesn't fit into the wall, you're throwing it away, and then you're putting another one up there and then you throw that one away and then eventually you get a wall, but you ran through like 35 pieces of wood <laughs> when you, you could have just done a, if you would have done that smarter. Right. Or maybe if you started with some cheaper wood, then, you know, it wouldn't have cost you so much money, you know. And so when you break it down in those terms, you know, um, then people sort of understand it like, oh, OK, yeah, I, I might want to go with that MVP, you know, because, man, building applications are expensive. Right. Yeah, like, sure. I know what I charge. Right. Like and um, and I am probably I am by no means the the most expensive in terms of like, you know, what our team charges. And it's it can be an expensive endeavor. Right. Like if you want to if you want a quality app. Right. Like 
and in, and in most cases, people come to me and they want a mobile app and a web app. You know, get ready to spend forty thousand dollars, man. You know what I mean? If you if you just if you if you want a full fledged, you know, app with the back end architecture and it's reliable and you know we've got it backed up on you know it's on the cloud and you know it's it's available all the time and it's secure. Like that takes work, right? And number one, you're probably not you're probably not ready to answer the questions that we need to know to build that. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you had the money, you you probably aren't even in a headspace to answer those questions yet, right? But, um, like, it's really just a matter of what makes sense, you know? And I think when we're talking about MVPs, it just makes sense, right? Like, it makes sense for you to actually test it out before you go full throttle into the thing, right? Like, you know, if if we're using the product line as an example, right? Like, if you want to create a new product line, there's so much stuff you got to, you got to think about new labeling, you know, we've got to get ingredients for that thing. We may need to actually get a new production line and hire some, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into that, right? Like it makes more sense to just not guess, right? And just, you know, go go and make up one batch and get feedback from people before you put so much effort, right? Like forget the money. You can't get that time back. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You're going to get closer. You're going to burn yourself out if you're if you're going 100% on every new idea you have i have a new idea every 3 days and i think it's amazing you know what i'm saying but i can't like, there's no way for me to chase down every single one of those ideas you know and so mm-hmm. sometimes a landing page like you know you know sometimes people come to me and and they've got this idea and i'm like all right well look we'll build a landing page for you where people can sign up mm-hmm. right and then you go out and do some facebook ads and some google ads and see how many sign signups you get in a month, right? If you get a certain amount of signups, you know you've got interest, right? And then we'll build the thing for you. Like sometimes it's that simple, right? Just putting it out there and seeing what people want, right? So mm-hmm. so it's just it's good it's good business sense. Have you ever done the um, like I'll set up a landing page for you, and people are going to have to put their money where their mouth is for us to build this first. Have you like, yeah. I, I read that in four hour work week and that sounds terrifying to me, but is brilliant. Yeah. 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 So um, I'm actually doing it right now. So this is going to be my first one like this. So it's kind of mm-hmm. cool. I, I like it's uh, so typically when I'm doing these types of things, I'm, I'm prototyping, you know, so like I'm, I'm prototyping it so that they can get on their phone and, and show it, uh, you know, and all that stuff. But so for this one, it's a content created creation firm, right? So they, they, they already, um, for the last couple of years, they're creating video com- content for companies, in, including Forbes and uh, oh, wow. a lot of reputable, you know, companies. And so, uh, they're legit. yeah, they're legit. So they came to me, you know, and they're like, all right, well, look, we want to build a marketplace where we, you know, people can, who, people who want content, can find people in their area who who can make the content for them, you know, and will be their intermediary, right? So something like an Upwork, you know, okay. of sorts, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, well, before we get there, right? Before we build out this two-sided marketplace, how about we just build out a type form, right? Are you familiar with type form? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So for the people who aren't, you know, type form is just a really awesome tool where you can build interactive forms, right? And then you can embed them in your website. So, and so we, we essentially took the idea, the questions that 
a user would have to have to have if um, if we were to make this marketplace. Mm-hmm. And we created two type forms. So one for the content creators and then one for the people who are looking for content. And we just made a simple website and we put those two those two type forms in there. And then they have to put their credit card information on them. Right. And so we're going to see how it goes. Like we're in the middle of testing it now. Right. But but ideally what will happen is like they'll get feedback one way or the other. Right. And so. Before before the, before we spend the next six months building this thing out for them, and then the six months after that perfecting all the bugs in it, they'll have a good idea of what's going to be the response. Because you know, since they already have clients that are going through their service, now they can just divert them to this new website, right? Like, hey, you know, we've also got this service back here. You know, if you want to pay a little bit less or just find somebody else that you want to work with, you know, we've got this service and send people there. So. That is a perfect example of what I think a company should do um, when they're starting out, right? Mm -hmm. Is how can we take this idea and do it cheaply, right? Like how, you know, and even if it requires you to build an app, what are, you know, most apps only need about three to five features to actually prove the idea and start getting people to pay for it, right? So, Mm -hmm. so that's the whole idea. So it's, it's, it's scary, um, but it's, it's cool work, man. It's, it's yeah. much, it's cool work. I like it a lot. So when do you suggest people are ready to talk to you about an app launch or uh, an app um, build? I think when they are, when that idea has been nagging them enough, you know, <laughs> and, uh, they're really ready to start doing the work around it, then they can hit me up, you know, like, uh, so, you can always go to launchtrail.tech, right? So that's our website. You know, we've got plenty of ways for you to, to book with us there. Um, we've also got some free, so we've got a free idea validation workbook, right? Which will help you take, so if you've got an idea, it's just a way for you to start talking to your customers and proving that your idea is actually a valuable idea, right? And that's free? That's um, amazing. Yeah, so it's free. You know, you can get that for free. Um and then uh, we also do biweekly demos. So we do webinars biweekly where we're just literally walking you through the concepts, what, you know, what our service is, what's the process like, you know, giving you examples of people who've worked with us, um, helping you to understand the, the underlying philosophies around why it is that we approach our work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that's a good place to come. You know, we're not, you know, it's, we're not selling you anything on that. It's literally just a demo. Um, But I think if, if, if you have an app idea and you're ready to execute it, right. Like you're really serious about executing it. um, Then yeah, you can get in touch with us. Right. Cause it's, it's a, you know, we're coding is the least important part of, of all of the, everything in this equation. Right. Like it's, it's Mm -hmm. more about um, positioning yourself to, Number one, uh, get your idea and validate it, right? And then understand who you're solving that problem for. Um, and most importantly, man, like this is the big part. And I haven't, we haven't talked a lot about this, but having a revenue plan, right? Mm. Like, there are, like so many people, I can't tell you, like if 10 people come to me with an app idea, I think maybe one of them has like a decent idea of how they can make money off of their application, right? Like most of them have no idea how they're going to generate revenue. 
Um, they have no idea of all the different ways that they can generate revenue. Uh, mm -hmm. And then the other thing that's really important is user feedback, user analytics. And so uh, we help you to figure all those kind of things out. But if you're ready to start doing that kind of work um, and you need a guide to help you do it, then, you know, we're ready for you at any time. You know, that's that's the important thing. Right. So we're ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to help you get to your customer, you know, either create a new business or create a new revenue line for your business. Mm -hmm. um, make other people's lives easier. Right. Like so. And we're the guy to help you do that. You know, we're the we're the Yoda. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> you know, like so. And and so that's what we tell people. Right. Like if, if it was only about building the tool, then, you know, Luke Skywalker would have just found somebody to build him a lightsaber. Right. But it but it was much more about needing someone to help guide him in the right direction and help him to focus, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, much in the same way. You know, we can build a lightsaber for you, but what we're really helping you to do is to to focus the force, right? We're helping you to figure out where you should be looking, you know, where you should be looking for data, you know, and those kinds of things. Because this application, this business that you're building is a system, right? It's not a one time done kind of thing, right? Like it's going to you're going to continue to tweak it. And you need to know the system and 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 uh, implement a system that makes it easy for you to do that, especially if you're not technical. Well, and you brought up a good point, and I want to quickly ask you: What are the different ways you can earn revenue with an app? So the only one I know, or I know two of, like you pay for it or there's ads. And I yeah. mean, you know, I never thought about it in the sense of like, okay, you can put ads up for free, but if you only have 10 people downloading it, then what you're not making any money. So how do yeah, people yeah, make yeah. revenue with this? Man. So there are monthly subscriptions, obviously. Right. So mm -hmm. one of the big ways is monthly subscriptions. There's the freemium model, right? Which is we give you something for free upfront and you can use that thing for free. And then we either limit the, you know, the amount of things that you can do with it. Right. Or, we give you some type of time limit and then you can decide to buy um, monthly subscriptions is probably the most. Uh, it's probably the most popular or at least the most well-known, mm -hmm. but then so it's not just apps either. So there's also licensing. Right. So I've I recently built a product for a consulting firm and they do consulting and uh, petroleum industry and mm -hmm. uh so what they do is that they actually are going to white label uh, this this thing that I built them and then they're going to license it to other consulting companies. Um, they're also going to license it out to some of their clients when they leave. Mm -hmm. And so those are just some of the immediate ways that you can get some revenue off of that. But there's, you know, there's a building that, an application and then selling it to a, mm -hmm. to a client, you know, like so. You know, let's say that you build an application and, you know, let's use my example. So you're building it for the logistics industry. And then, you know, maybe they come to you and they say, you know what, this we'll we'll just buy the whole thing from you. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we'll continue to develop it. So there's a lot of different ways. Um, then there's also just an exit strategy. Right. So there are a lot of software companies that come come about and all they're looking to do is to be acquired by some larger company. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think you got to know what your exit is and, you know, you got to have you, you got to have metrics. Right. So 
you gotta you gotta know what your number is, what your goal is, right? And so um, there's a lot of different ways to to make money off of an app. It just kind of depends on what you want to do with it. It's just a tool. It's just an asset, you know. Right. And so monthly subscriptions for sure. Um, there's also processing fees, right? Mm-hmm. So and you know if you're running a a two-sided marketplace idea, you know, like, uh, or, you know, let's think about Uber or one of these other, they're just taking a percentage off of the top, right? So they're charging service fees for putting you in contact with someone who's providing you a service. So there's, there's percentages, there's service fees, there's monthly subscriptions, there's per transaction fees, right? It's, there are so many different ways that you can make money off of your application. And then you can get into the ad revenue um, but then there's also selling the data. All right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people don't think about that either. Um, you know, there's probably a lot of really rich data that you can sell to advertisers. Um, if you, you know, like let's look at uh, Uber Eats, for instance. Right. So, you know, Uber Eats has a lot of information on people's buying habits when it comes to food. Right. And then they could even sell advertising space on their front page, right? Like, you know, you pay us more money, we'll put your stuff on the front page of our app, right? Like, and so people can pay for prime real estate within their app, but then they can also uh, get the data, right? So there's a there's a lot of data there as far as location data, you know, people's buying habits, their eating habits, you know, what are their preferences, their demographic data, and then advertisers can use all of that to then create new ways to get in contact with people. And so, man, data is really big. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of ways to make money off your app for sure. I love that. Like, yeah. I've now that you're saying that that all makes sense. And I just never thought about like, how, how do these things actually generate income? So that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. Data is a big one. Data is a big one for sure. And scary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so You've got this webinar coming up next week and I'll link to it in the show notes, of course, but how else yeah. can people find you online? Yeah. So of course you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. So launchtrail.tech is the web address launch trail. You can find us on Facebook. Same thing for Instagram. We're very easy to find. So we post weekly uh, blog posts and um, we also offer, you know, we bring other people onto our interview series and, you know, they're offering free giveaways a lot of times because we're focusing on, again, we're not just a software development firm. We're focusing on people who are trying to start businesses or who are in business. And so we give a lot of freebies away for business things to help you become a better business person in terms of particularly for digital businesses. So we've got the webinar coming up. I believe it's on the July the 15th. And so uh, I'll make sure to give you that link. And so we have those biweekly. And also just visit our website. Um, you can also reach out to me directly. So my email address is Patrick at launchtrail.tech. And yeah, I'm always available. So I, I look for, you know, if you're looking for or just have questions. I mean, I love talking to people about this, obviously, you know, so, so, you know, just reach out whenever you want. And you got you, your podcast, too. Yeah. So, yes, I do weekly interviews with business people and we talk about ideas largely the same as this It's quicker. So ours is 10 to 15 minutes. Um, But essentially what we're doing is we're bringing on people who can help give an idea that will boost your business. Right. So it's from idea to market. You can find those those interviews also on Instagram, Facebook and on our website. So feel free to take a look at those. You know, we've got some really, really smart people that come on the show. 
um, much smarter than I, you know, and I learn a lot from them too. So it's, it's fun. I, I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. This was so just so inspirational and so cool. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was an honor to join. Hey guys, Megan here. One thing before you go, I would love to answer your questions on the next Q&A episode. All you have to do is go to meganbream.com slash askmegan and you'll be redirected to a site to leave your questions for me and hopefully get on the next episode. I do them once a month and I am excited to hear your questions and hopefully help you guys out. Again, it's meganbream.com slash askmegan. I'll talk to you guys soon. On the next episode... We spent a lot of time, we have spent a lot of time over the last six months doing manual outreach on LinkedIn um, and various different groups and obviously trying to encourage word of mouth to make sure that the quality of, of people on the platform, both for podcasts and also guests, has been high, you know, because we want to make sure that there's value there. We don't want to just fill it with, um, I always use the analogy, do you remember like Twitter when it first came out and there was loads of profiles that just had that egg?